Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game? Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. It's not the strongest of the species that survive, nor the most intelligent, but the one most responsive to change. And that is by Charles Darwin. Woohoo! So welcome again to The Profitable Photographer. I want to remind you that if you go to lucydumascoaching.com, there are some gifts there. And also, I have relaunched my online sales academy course. And it's a 12-episode, six-week, step-by-step class on exactly how I and my coaching clients average three to seven wall portraits per client. So jump over there when you have a chance. And I'm uh, super happy to have my guest, Brian Walsh, today. So Brian is a master photographer. He also holds the craftsman degree. He's a PPA certified professional. He has an educational association degree from ASP. He's a national speaker, 275 plus speaker merits. So your bars are about to choke you, right? Not yet. Still space, still room for more. So people that don't know about bars, when you get your master's or other degree, you get a ribbon with a medal. And then as you add more speaking, serving, writing articles, going to conferences and other things, you earn more bars. And I always worry about the photographers who are like really active in this association that eventually they're they're going to choke. <laughs> I've always said master photographers don't die. They just choke on their bars. So <laughs> that's funny. So thank you for all your service. And I mean that sincerely. Let's My see, pleasure. what did I leave out? Oh, he's an international juror. And we'll be talking about exactly what to say. He's a certified guide in that program. You'll learn a ton about it today. And it's so awesome. His mission is to create impact through creativity and storytelling. So, hey there. Hi, it's great to be back. And uh, it's nice to be a returning guest on your podcast. It's so good to have you again. If you want to find Brian, you want to look, I think, in the first year. We're going on three years. And we talked about a lot of good stuff then. And I look forward to what we're going to talk about today. Absolutely. So just a little, do you have like a 30 second to one and a half minute share about your business and how you got started or whatever might be fun to know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's fun from the standpoint that I kind of joke, I've been in the photography industry for 43 years and that usually throws people a little bit for a loop, but it's because I'm a second generation photographer. So Mm. I've been around it uh, since 1979 and I've seen the industry change a lot. So your quote earlier about change was very, very good. I think it's, it's one of those things that, you know, each time we transition to different ways of doing things, it's a little, it's a little bumpy, but I think that's what makes it fun. So I've started out 
typically, you know, like most people doing weddings and families and high school seniors, I mostly do uh, environmental business portraits. And really my mission, you know, that creating impact through creativity and storytelling leads itself into some of the speaking and coaching that I'm doing. And that's where this book, Exactly What to Say, that was written by Phil M. Jones, that we're going to kind of break down today is so important and can really help photographers with making sure they have their language down so they can ask great questions mm-hmm. that lead to better conversations. Right. So what do you think has been the biggest change? I mean, it's pretty obvious digital and the shoot and share. So besides that, what have you seen changing in the industry? Yeah. Both challenges and positive changes. So, you know, it's interesting. I don't think going from film to digital was really that big a change. To me, it's still capturing light, still good posing, lighting. All of those fundamentals remain the same. I think somewhere along the way, people's mindsets shifted. Mm. And that's what I think the biggest change was. Before, it was a little more difficult. It was a little bit more proprietary. If you didn't know how to, you know, really do the craft well, the barrier to entry was harder. Right. Once that barrier to entry opened up, that also brought into a lot of people that transitioned from a hobby to earning income. They didn't transition their mindset to being professional. And so we see that today with 10 different business models, not saying that's bad, but that's been the biggest shift is mm-hmm. how people run their photography business has completely changed. Mm-hmm. Now, Brian, I see a positive change because a lot of that, um, what you just talked about, people are realizing it's not working for them. They're not making a living. They're working too hard for too little. So I've seen this in the last six years, maybe this return to in-person sales and a lot more coaches and teachers and workshops and just groups of people learning how to sell their work. And actually for a lot more than before the change, even with what you do, the executive portraits. So out of the ashes (laughs) of what you just said, the business where you at least needed to know what a stop of light was, how to, what an F stop, how to purchase film so that you got ISOs that had the green structure you wanted, all that. Now that that's over, I think I see, I don't know, do you see that yeah. that changed not only back to where it was, but changed even for the better. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I've seen these changes because I've been around for so long. There's always different shifts in, in the industry. There's an influx of photographers who think it's going to be easy. Mm-hmm. We all realize it's not easy. They get frustrated. Some will exit. Others will dig in and learn. Mm-hmm. And so... This is just a continuation. Um, If you've been around long enough, you've seen it all before, and that just comes in different waves. And it also comes in waves. We're in a situation right now where maybe a lot of people, because of the pandemic, 
exited their corporate job mm-hmm. and thought, hey, I'm going to become a photographer or some other creative pursuit. Uh, this is just another wave and they'll realize it's harder than they thought and they will either exit, go back to a corporate job or dig in and learn some of the things that they need to know. They always want to know more lighting and posing, but the Mm -hmm. business side of the industry is what's going to sustain them and uh, keep them in a craft. Hopefully they love. Right. Oh, that's what I've seen change at uh, PPA conferences at the imaging expos is marketing and sales classes are full and in the olden days, you could shoot a cannon through a marketing class and not hit anybody, but the posing and the lighting and the models and all of those were always full and the superstars that you know, want to go because they're great teachers. But I noticed once PPA got very intentional about having a track that is for marketing, selling, selling prints, all of that. It was standing room only. Uh, absolutely. This? And in, in fact, that's a, a great little transition into this exactly what to say, because that's where Phil M. Jones uh, spoke at PPA. And it was part of the Bridging the Gap series. Bridging the Gap. And yeah. really, that is, you know, how us as photographers can bridge the gap to be able to better communicate, better sell, better um, do all of the non-photography skills to our to our clients. Uh, he was one of the keynote speakers. And that's where I had a chance to sit down and, and meet him and, and have a conversation with him that, you know, four years later, I'm one of his uh, handful of certified guides to teach his, awesome. his material. That's awesome. Okay. So Phil M. Jones is the author. Absolutely. Yep. The book name is? Exactly What to Say. Okay. The Magic Words for Influence and Impact. Okay. And yeah, I was blown away with his talk as well. So I can't believe it's been four years, five years. Anywho. <laughs> yeah. I think it was, it was in the Atlanta uh, PPA. Yeah. 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 It was really powerful. Okay. So let's jump into that. Cause I know you have a lot to teach on that. People love to have tips or point number one or things like that. So. Yeah. And then we can, we can jump into it. This is a conversation. So, uh, you know, obviously jump in anytime. One of the the things about this book that I really want to kind of set the stage of is this isn't a book of magic words meant to give you the, they say this, I say this, they say this, I say this. It's about curiosity and having the ability to really have a conversation based on a two-way conversation. I think it's one of those things that far too many times people look for these books to be totally a prescription mm-hmm. versus a, a a group of knowledge that then you can use at the appropriate time. And that's what I've really dug into. Uh, there's four cornerstones. Okay. Kind of. Um, so I'll just kind of give you those. And the, the the first one, and it's something that we can all get better at, and it's the worst time to figure out what to say is when you need to say it. Mm. And so going into your viewing process, sales process, every conversation you have, you should have an idea of not only what you want to say, 
but a possible outcome. And then that opens you up to uh, not kind of fumble around with things. And so Phil illustrates this great by kind of going, well, um, you know, we could, uh, I think, right, those those things where you're searching for where you want to go don't instill any confidence. So being able to know what you want to say, because the worst time to say it is is when you have to, I think is a great fundamental. So do you have an example? Yeah, I do. And it's really having almost two or three examples. So when you go into a, a sales session, I'm under the uh, old school of selling wall portraits, having already kind of selected, you know, I believe that this would be great for your primary portrait or, you know, these down the hallway could be a great gallery, kind of having my idea, mm -hmm. right? But also then having an idea if that doesn't quite match up where things are leading, an alternative to that. And so that you don't get caught off guard. Mm. And I'm a big fan of basically having a plan A, B, and C. Okay. So plan A is, in your mind, main wall portrait, some other ones for different parts of the home. So what would plan B, what would be the curve someone would throw you that then what would you come up with for plan B? Yeah. So plan B would be maybe, wow, we really like these black and white, we could group six of these black and whites together in, you know, six 20 by 20s matted and framed to 30 by 30s. And that could be a primary wall. Ah. Nobody typically thinks of a series taking the place of a 40 or 60 inch print, but it can be just as effective. Right. Okay. Right? So how would that come up? What would be the objection or... What would be the reason you'd resort to, well, instead of a main one, how about if we do a collection? I think it's really listening to them. There's a, a great phrase, and this is going to carry throughout everything. Based on the fact that you said this, I can recommend this. Ah. So when they say, you know, I just really love these groupings, you know, of each of us, the four kids and mom and dad. And they just keep saying that, dig into that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. It's not, uh-oh, I'm not going to be able to sell that big wall portrait. It's, oh, based on the fact that you said this, hey, let me recommend, let's do something like this. And it still accomplishes your goal and meets their needs. Okay, so cornerstone number one is have some options, have some plans, have some responses in your back pocket. Absolutely. Is the worst time to figure out what plan B is, is yeah. when you need to say it. Yes. And I'm always, because um, what comes up a lot, someone will say, well, we're not wall portrait people. So I don't, I don't pull out a, okay, well, let's do a book. I pull out one of several responses, like, have you ever had a portrait session that was custom designed to be beautiful as art in your home, where the clothing, the feeling, the style, the emotion, everything is worthy to be art along with other art that you have. Have you ever had that kind of session? Would that be one of the things that you're talking about is having a response to that question? Well, yes, absolutely. And in fact, there's, there's a few people that basically write down any objection they ever get. 
and they mm-hmm. come up with a solution to it. Mm-hmm. So having answers to your objections is great and practice those so that mm-hmm. when they do come up, you're able to respond like you did. Yeah. Um, so that's another another example of having you know, figured out what to say before you need to say it. Right. So it's not just about, oh, okay, you're not a wall portrait person, whatever that is. Maybe you haven't thought about this in this yeah. way. And there's, there's some other phrases uh-huh. uh, in the book that will even allow you to, to transition into those. Ooh, so we okay. might, might even jump into some of those extra bonus words later okay. on. Okay. So now number two, cornerstone. Yeah, is curiosity is the fuel. So the more curious we can be, the more then we can deliver certainty. Okay. I think far too many times people have in their heads exactly where it's going to go. And if you are too certain, that person feels like they're being sold or Mm. they're being led somewhere. If you can truly, and this is, you know, practice, be curious, listen to them, ask questions, and then you will get information from them so that you can deliver something. So it's basically curiosity leads to a place of empathy mm-hmm. where then you truly understand them and then you have the courage to act upon it. Thank you. So curiosity means kind of what I'm hearing is kind of gathering information. Yes. So that then you have more uh, fuel to be able to offer advice and solutions. Absolutely. Absolutely. So so tell me this as an example. So it was time to get a new bed. And I love latex mattresses. They're expensive and they're worth it. And I'm the princess and the pea. So it can't be too soft or too hard or too anything. We have three, well, had one closed for good reason, three uh, stores that sell high-end quality latex mattresses. And one of them was nice. You know, the salesperson was informational. One of them was like the pits that she, the salesperson took a call from her grandmother while I was laying on a mattress <laughs> um, the place was loud. It wasn't that clean. And then, of course, the one that was like, ah, had a beautiful, soothing spa-like environment. Each bed had a light on it, like you do in a in an art exhibit. Mm-hmm. The desk wasn't like it was an unexpected. It was like a pretty little French desk right at the beginning. Very minimalist, you know, card that anyway, ideal. And the salesperson started asking me questions, curious. And as I shared about, you know, I just shared the princess in the pea is my story. And then she started suggesting once I felt very heard and like she was now a friend of mine and on my side. And so I never felt like she was a salesperson And of course, being a coach and a salesperson myself, while I was experiencing it, I was also noticing, oh, look how she's doing this. Mm -hmm. So 
So is that what we're talking about with curiosity? Uh, Yes, a lot of that is. I mean, and being a good listener as well. But here's another way that it can be super powerful. And I use this a lot when I'm working with somebody that I haven't worked with before. And it's to ask a question such as, what is your experience with? So what is your experience with professional photography? Or tell me about your last session with a professional photographer. That question you will find out quite a bit. You will either find out, oh, my last session we did this, this, and this. I've worked with professional photographers many times. That leads you to a certain ability to know they have some guidelines or history with it. But if they say, oh, I've never worked with a professional photographer before, you know then that you can't make some of those same assumptions and that you need to then go back and give them maybe a little bit more information. So curiosity, tell me about the last time you had your family portraits done. Mm -hmm. That question right there is super powerful and unpacks and then you can listen. Okay. Without interjecting. So Phil does a great example of this. So tell me about your last vacation. The person says, oh, I went to Cancun, Mexico. Instead of then what we typically will do is, oh, I've been to Cancun myself also. And I really like this restaurant and the beaches there I find are really good. And this is what I did. Mm -hmm. Follow up with. Oh, so Cancun, tell me more. What did you, why did you go to Cancun? Oh, you went to Cancun because of the beaches. Oh, what did you like best about the beaches? Mm-hmm. Oh, it was the food also. What restaurants did you go to? Mm-hmm. And curiosity will tell us quite a bit about why they went to Cancun, not an opportunity for us to interject from our perspective. Yeah, got it. Which is, I think, what we typically do. Yes. One of my coaching clients, her husband is in the army. He's an officer in the army. And every corner on base is a momographer. Mm-hmm. And so the one of the first things we worked on in our in our year together is how she could stand out as a professional when there were oodles of shoot and burns. And so typically, if she meets somebody, they start swapping stories about what bases they've been on, who they know, blah, blah, blah. She had a booth at an event that was Mm going to be all the military spouses primarily there. And so we worked on her doing exactly that. Oh, you're from, you know, you were in Norfolk. I don't know if that's Army, Navy, Marines, Space Force. I don't know. Sorry, people that live in Norfolk and not to get in the friend zone with them, but to be friendly by those exact, like finding out more about them. And then they saw her as different than just made a new friend who's going to shoot her kids for some photos for some digital files, but a professional. And she said it was a really interesting turn where people started saying, Yes. Well, Kathleen's a real photographer when they introduced her. So I love that. Yeah. And, you know, I think that this, again, this curiosity, basically, there's another way to frame this out is questions, which is being curious, 
leads to conversations. Conversations lead to relationships. Those relationships lead to the opportunities and then the action. So the more you can be curious, it will lead to better conversations so that you can deepen the relationship, Mm -hmm. which will open up the opportunities and create the action to drive business forward. I like it. So yeah, curiosity is the fuel. Now, so one of the things I see a lot in people teaching, you know, how to sell or how to be on the phone or something is there's a list of questions that don't seem like they're going to lead to anything other than trying to sell somebody something. I like that this is, it's not just you ask a question and go, oh, okay. And then ask another question. Right. It's a conversation. Yeah. And it's one that is leading somewhere. Sure. You don't get the feeling like they're reading from a script and that they um, can only answer no matter what you say, whatever they intend to say. It is truly about being curious Mm -hmm. and having that conversation. And really, that's what relationships are built on. Right. Right. It's it's a process. Yeah. Well, that's the core of my podcast interviewing is mm-hmm. some people will say, oh, can you send me a list of questions so I can be prepared in advance? It's like, no, uh, just tell me your superpower. If you have some ideas about what you want to talk about, and then I make, you know, just a couple notes. And then I'm just always so curious. Yeah, that, right. And then, then I'm like, Manage to pull out some really great stuff from amazing people and make new friends that way too, which I like. <laughs> Point number three is an interesting one. And, and I alluded to it a, a second ago, but basically it is that people make decisions for their own reasons, not for yours. Mm. And it's a tough one that we all have to sometimes, you know, realize, yes, we want them to make wall portrait decisions or whatever the decision is because our art is so amazing. But really, and this is where the curiosity comes in, we have to find out what their reasons are. Mm. They make decisions for their reasons, not ours. So the fact that we shot it with, I don't know, 50 megapixel, the, we <laughs> have you know four lights, none of that matters. Right. What we have to find out is what their reasons are. And then, again, based on the fact that they said this, I can now recommend this. Mm -hmm. So what kinds of reasons or how would you find out a reason? Yeah, by by asking questions. Um, One is, you know, help me understand. Uh, Asking a question like, help me understand what what you're looking to accomplish today. Now, I was very general with that in, you know, maybe in, the portrait world, you know, help me understand why you're hiring me to do your session. Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll give you information. Again, uh, when was the last time you hired a professional photographer, as an example, can open the door to find out what their reasons are. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is really important. This is our, you know, 35th wedding anniversary. And it's, you know, our chance to go back to beaches of San Diego and we really, this is the time to do it. Okay. Mm -hmm. It gives you the information, what their reasons are. 
and to stay focused on that. So mm. far too many times, I think we can start to have our reasons why they should do a wall portrait. Mm-hmm. We need to find out what their reason is right. and how we can, again, based on the fact that they said this is important to them, this is my recommendation. So these build upon each other, but we have to get over ourselves and more about them. So that question about when did you have photography or what's your experience, that one scares me a little because my belief is I'm going to get a lot of, oh, they photographed us for an hour and we got all the digitals and it was $300. And that they're coming in with that as an expectation uh, with a professional photographer. So uh, I'm always like a little, like, I don't want to be like, oh, well, did you ever print it? Well, um, that person's not in business anymore. They're broke now. There's a bunny trail I can go down that it would not be sure. helpful at all. So so I would actually then encourage you to make sure you go down that bunny trail so that you don't end up with clients that don't match your experience and ah. what you want to deliver to them. Much better to find that out because not everybody is the perfect client for you. So mm-hmm. by asking that question, and if that is their expectation, but then you can maybe even ask a follow-up question, which is, help me understand. So help me understand, you got 300 digital files for $300, but yet you're looking to have something printed. How did that work out last time for you? Mm -hmm. And you might find out it didn't work out last time, which then leads to, that's great that I can give you a product and service that will meet your needs. Right. Embrace that bunny trail and stand with the service that you provide. And if it's, again, based on their reasons now, their reasons may have changed last time they hired a professional. And now you are the perfect fit. You, again, have to know what those are. Mm -hmm. And don't be scared that their experience was different last time because obviously they're calling you now for a reason. Right, right. And as you're sharing that, the bunny trail that we don't want to go on is like, the responses that I gave you at first were kind of making them wrong. Let me tell you why. Oh, did you ever print it? Were they good? How was the experience? As opposed to what did you like about it? What have you done with those? And sometimes they've been like, oh, my former photographer did all of this and charged that and blah, blah, blah. I always want to ask, well, then why aren't you going back to them? (laughs) But I don't know if that's an appropriate. Yeah. I, I don't think you need to really um, pour salt into any wounds. Right. They basically just gather information. And and a lot of times, too, if somebody uses the phrase like, oh, you're really expensive. There's a, you know, another curiosity is tell me more about what that means. Mm-hmm. Because expensive is a variable, right? Somebody may think $300 is expensive. Some people may think $3,000 is expensive. Some people may think. is expensive Mm -hmm. and they're all right based on wherever they're at. Right. And so I think, again, tell me more about that. Help me understand those kind of questions to anything give you the ability to unpack where they're coming from, what their reasons are, not to counter them because in their minds, hey, you're way too expensive for me. Help me understand that. 
in in relation to tell me about the last time you hired a professional. Oh, I've never hired a professional before. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can understand how you might think I'm expensive, but in a professional photography situation, and then you can unpack it more. Right. But until then, the word expensive doesn't mean anything. Right. I love that. I'm thinking about one of my biggest wins. There's a family where she wanted a single of each of her children to put in their bedroom, wall portrait, two for the living room, the family and the kids, and then one for the bedroom of the mom and dad. And when I got to, I think at the time that was 6,000 and she was like, whoa, that is really a lot. And luckily I was kind of quiet, <laughs> which is not normal. And she said, that's more than we've even ever paid for a car. And I'd been to her home. It's a 9,000 square feet. Like these rooms are tiny. The kids share a bedroom. And as we talked and I talked about why she hired me, why she wanted these. And then I said, you know, we could do a payment plan. Uh, and where's that car now that you paid less than $6,000 for? Or the great news is you're going to have these for a lifetime. And so she ended up investing more in the photographs that I took of her family than, than the car she drove. And I was so yeah. honored. And what's cool, we're Facebook friends. And every now and then she'll do a selfie in her living room. And I see those photos in the back and I'll be like, hey, what do I spy? And she's always like... I just still love those. The kids are in college now. They mean a lot to me. So absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. expensive doesn't always mean, and I'm not willing to invest that. So I love that. Yeah. It's just a statement, right? It's just a statement. Love it. Okay. People made decisions for their own reasons. So she made the decision because mm-hmm. of how she feels about her kids, because she knew that time moves fast She wanted to remember that great day. She knew the kids were growing up and they were quite beautiful. So she also likes art. She has a lot of other art mixed in. Okay. Yeah. You got to find out what's their motivation, right? Not from our standpoint, but theirs. And and again, it's, it builds because that curiosity is the way you get there. Mm -hmm. Okay. Number four, number four. Number four is the person asking the questions controls the conversation. Ah. Again, tough one to uh, to get our heads around sometimes. You Love have it. illustrated it a couple times. One where you said you were kind of silent. You have to allow space for people to answer your questions. Mm-hmm. Far too many times we ask a question and then we jump in with why they should say yes to whatever we just asked. So you specialize now in executive portraits on Mm -hmm. location. So can you give me an example? Absolutely. Yeah. So this is, this is my favorite question. Typically I'm working with an admin and they say, "Um, my executive needs a headshot. My first question to them is, is this going to be for internal or external use? Okay. External. Okay. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure. That's the typical answer. And I have answers to all three of them, but typically I'm not sure. So my response is let's do both. 
That way, when the opportunity comes up again, you'll already be prepared. You'll have both kind of portraits. Okay. Okay. If they say it's for internal use, I'll say fantastic. That's definitely something we can do. I would recommend that we do some for external use as well. Then there's a follow-up question. Do they ever speak at conferences or need some specifically for social media? Mm. Allow that question to sit there. Yes, in fact, um, there's going to be an article written, and so we'll need some for that and possibly for this. And you see by me asking two questions, I've opened up from a headshot into possibly at least a series of five different images that this person's going to need. Mm. So having a question leads to the curiosity, but it leads to them probably not knowing, you know, right now our immediate need is internal. Have you ever considered social media files for, you know, speaking at conferences or slide decks? Open up those and mm -hmm. that will definitely uh, lead it to being uh, able to say, hey, you know, based on the fact you said this, I can now recommend this session to you. Right. And what I love about that is I already, just from you asking those couple of questions, my perception of you, I mean, that not my real perception because I know you and I know right, you're, right. you're highly excellent and professional, but my perception of you goes from someone that does, I don't like the word headshots, but kind of quick and dirty headshots where you get one or two files and it's going to go on the business card to, oh, he is more. He offers more. He's He's got more information than I do. When I'm teaching and coaching, we're always going back to how do you position yourself as the trusted advisor? Absolutely. And so what, by even knowing what questions to ask me that I wouldn't even know, then I start to trust you and your advice and believe you're worth more than that other person I might call that said, oh, well, a headshot is $195 and you get one file and you can add, or I've got a $350 that has five files and two clothing changes. That what I'm hearing is the question can be like, yeah, well, I've said it elevate us in the mind of the potential client. And it goes back to questions lead to the conversations. Right. The conversation, the relationship is that trust you talked about where the admin goes, oh, I'm glad I called you because it sounds like you have more insight. You've done this before. You have experience mm -hmm. and you're going to better give us a solution to what our needs are now and in the future. Mm -hmm. So that they don't have to come back again. I always position it from a standpoint that the executive's time is valuable. Mm -hmm. And if we can do and get their needs met in this session, then they don't have to come back to me two, three, or four times. Now, there may be opportunities then to lead to other sessions. Mm -hmm. But if you can do it at one time, that is much better and a better experience. Right. And you only get there if you ask the questions to find out what their needs are. The curiosity, again, curiosity is the fuel. 
So the cornerstones are great because they just, they build off of each other. I see that. What I love about the questions, whenever I'm helping people handle objections, the first thing I want them to do is ask a question so that they know how to respond. Like if somebody says, do you sell digitals for a portrait? Instead of me saying, no, you know, it's like buying the cow and get, getting all the milk, but you don't have to buy the cow or to be like, well, what is it you want mm-hmm. uh, the yeah. digitals for? So if they say, I just archive posterity, I can respond in one way and have a conversation in that. If it's shared to social media, it's a different response. If it's, Mm -hmm. I want to print myself so I can save some money, then that's an entirely different response. Yes. And I think it's extremely, I mean, this is a point that I'm putting the exclamation point on, extremely important that we don't assume the worst from our clients. Mm. When they say they are interested in the digitals, that doesn't mean they're trying to steal money from you or not pay you for what you're worth or whatever story we have created in our head. Like you illustrated, tell me more about that. Help me understand. And they will give you more information and you can then answer and have that conversation as it unfolds. But you have to think about this to begin with. So the worst time to respond to a you know, objection is in the moment. Right. So we know that the digital files are something that can come up in conversations. Whatever your responses are, have two or three of them, but it's really based on like what you illustrated so perfectly. Tell me more about what that looks like for you. Oh, I do want to scrapbook these and create coffee mugs for the entire family. That's a different conversation than archiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. My response, just if somebody is listening, that's like, well, what would I say? If it's like to save money, I often say, well, if I were to sell printable digitals, in no way would it be the most economical way to work with me? Yeah. And, and I think that that is um, something we need to be comfortable with digital files does not equal less expensive. Right. For me, it is an add-on above and beyond and only increases your total price. In no way does it ever decrease. So once people realize that, then they're like, well, I guess the digitals aren't that important to me. You know, once you unpack, have conversations, have exactly what you're going to say, it makes the conversations in the relationship so much better. Right. Versus adversarial. Right. But that's where that's where I think Ooh, we, I like that. Right. We get into a mindset that they want to take our property and print it themselves and take money off the table. And it doesn't have to be that conversation. Right. And even if they their response is, well, that, you know, I really am on a budget and that I'm looking for someone that will do that then it's more respectful as we decide that we're not a good fit if we've asked those questions and we're curious. Absolutely. And knew that people are making decisions for their own reasons and asking the questions though. So we're still controlling the conversation and it's not, sometimes I feel like the wrong question, it can feel like I just strapped into a roller coaster 
ride that I'm out of control. Let's go back to your cornerstone number one. If I haven't figured out what to say before I need to say it, then it Mm -hmm. feels like, oh, dang, you know, I am not driving this roller coaster. It's driving me. So, well, also, and, and I use the word adversarial because the curiosity allows us to have relatability and empathy. And only then will somebody actually open up. So if we are asking questions, they give us a response, and then we come back adversarially, that's not building any relationship and no trust and relatability. Right. It really stalls the conversation. So even if it leads to, I don't think that we're a good fit to work together, however you say that, You have to get there through the curiosity and then having the empathy for they're making their decisions for their reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's okay. Yeah. They're not wrong. Yeah. It's a much, much healthier, healthier point of view. So curiosity is the key leads to the empathy. So you have the courage to make a recommendation Mm. based on the fact they said this, I can now recommend this. It's so powerful. Yeah. And the the counter word that popped in my mind is fear. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of times people are afraid to ask for money or to put forth what it is they do. And what, what I hear in these four cornerstones with the, what's it called? Exactly what to say. Exactly what to say. Exactly what to say is that it can calm a lot of that fear because we're not trying to convince people of something. Right. And and that's where I wanted to start out with. This isn't basically a, you know, here is the thing to say. It's more, here are the thoughts to say, the right. questions, the conversations, the um, still having the answer based on the fact they said this, that you've already thought out. It still talks about doing the work before the work. Mm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Do the work before the work. He is so natural in how he uses these because he's done the work before the work. Mm-hmm. And I think that we typically as portrait photographers, hopefully have done the work knowing again, how to light things properly, how to handle different outdoor environments, how to handle a group of three versus a group of 30. Mm-hmm. That work we've done, but have we done the work in the conversations at the time it matters most, which is either in the initial inquiry or in the sales room when people are trying to make decisions? Have we done that work before the work? Right, right. And that's where this book and this this thought process, and there's there's actually in the, the new edition that's coming out into May, there's 31 different key phrases. Mm. And all of those lead to better conversations, better outcomes. Um, so, so it's super exciting. So, yeah. Speaking of exciting. So I know that Brian has a little special contest, but you got to wait a little bit and keep listening to find out about this. But he also mentioned that he's going to be doing some workshops, day-long workshops. And we discussed that he can come to San Diego and I'll be the host and y'all will get to come to my home. Um, So tell us more about your 
your thoughts, what you're putting together and how people yeah. could get on your email list or in your world in order to learn more about all of the goodness that you're up to. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it, it's fun for the idea of being able to hit different parts of the country. So being personally on the West Coast and uh, knowing that we were going to have this conversation, San Diego sounds like a, the perfect place mm -hmm. uh, to hold a day long exactly what to say workshop. And then I'm looking at some in uh, somewhere either in uh, Utah or in uh, maybe Colorado and then up in the Northeast and then something down uh, maybe in Atlanta. And uh, so go to MITportraits.com forward slash EWTS, which is short for exactly what to say. And you'll find out much more information there. And you'll have uh, ways to sign up for upcoming workshops. Like you said, you know, sign up on the um, for the newsletter. And just that's the place I'm going to be building out more of this information. So it's mitportraits.com forward slash EWTS. And um, I'll tell you more at the end uh, what the giveaway is. Okay. And what other, so is that the main way to get in touch with you? Yeah, specifically for the EWTS, um, MITportraits.com is my website. Um, you can go on there. You can see um, my upcoming speaking engagements, different keynotes that I do. Um, if you want to uh, have me at one of your state conventions, um, my website, uh, navigate through that. Um, there's a contact form there uh, that will send an email to me. So that is the best place to connect at the time. Right. Great. And Brian loves to get on a plane and go somewhere and teach. So yeah. anybody that's listening is a local, um, you know, speaker, arranger person. <laughs> exactly. Brian is there and he loves to help associations. So, hey, maybe we could time this so you could also speak to the professional photographers of San Diego County while you're here and yeah. make that trip down uh even more um yeah it's always good when synergy happens right yes i love it okay so then my last question is what either what haven't you shared that you'd be like oh i wish i had had a chance to share this or what would your parting thoughts be i'm going to choose one of the key phrases and I've already talked about, um, based on the fact that you said this, I can now recommend this. That's a powerful thought process. But here's the other one, is the words just imagine. So mm. when, we're, when we're little kids, we talk about once upon a time. That uh, doesn't work well in a, you know adult conversation. But the idea here is we make decisions twice. Once in our brain and then once verbally. So if I say to you, just imagine um, what it'll feel like when you see those wall portraits on the wall. If in your mind you can't picture those wall portraits on the wall, it's very hard for you to make a decision to buy them. Mm. But if I say, just imagine what it'll feel like, and you then can see it in your brain, you are more likely to be able to write the check for them. Got it. So the phrase that we hear is, I just can't see myself doing that. Okay. Because they can't imagine it. So a great way to get people 
into that is just imagine and then allow you to have different ways of saying that, yeah. right? This doesn't have to be, um, you know, exactly every time. It can be just imagine what that will feel like or just imagine when those are hanging on the wall, that sense of accomplishment or whatever the outcome is. Yeah. Get them to imagine it. Just imagine that your kids are going off to college and you've got these portraits of you holding Sally when she was just an infant and how amazing it's going to feel to think about, to feel like you can still pick her up and smell that baby smell as she's driving you crazy as a teenager or something like that. Or just imagine that you hand somebody your business card and the photograph of you is so captures your essence that you can just see the person light up and feel more trusting of you or yeah, I love that. That's the great parting. I think we should get a little tattoo of just imagine that one. Help me understand and just imagine those are powerful. So powerful. And it leads to, again, that using curiosity that leads to the empathy so that we can be bold, courageous, and take action. Right. And not feel salesy. That's the yeah number one fear with people is they think selling is, is uh, somehow slimy. Well, yeah. there is a difference between selling and professional selling. Oh. So professional selling, Phil is uh, brilliant in how he talks about it. He says that you're a professional mind maker upper. You're leading them to being able to make up their mind. Instead of salesy builds resistance and actually does not lead to an outcome, but being a professional salesperson can allow them to make a decision. That's what, you know, business is. It's about taking action. And so, yes, changing the definition, we don't want to be salesy, but we do want to be professional in our sales. Yes, I love it. I love it. Okay, I want everyone to stay tuned for my wrap up. And Brian, just like the last time and uh, the fun that we had in Nashville, hanging out, having drinks, getting acquainted two years ago, two and a half years ago before the shutdown. I I just love talking to you. And I'm so glad that you said yes to being on the show again. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, It it is funny when we have to play back how long ago things were, it's like, okay, pandemic before the pandemic that equals, (laughs) right. And how far back after that, it's like, it's like this gap in the universe, universal time flow or something. So anyway, I know people are just like, pulling over their car, taking notes or stopping their editing and taking notes. And I, I think that's a good idea to do that or listen again and, and take notes. And um, so I'll be seeing you in San Diego sometime in the future. And yeah, we'll get those dates. I'll get that. Um, you know, people again can go to the mitportraits.com forward slash EWTS and they'll see that date on there and um, we'll spend a full day. There's so much to unpack on this. It's great to read the book, but actually, and that's where, you know, I come in as a certified guide and I work directly with Phil 
And so he is taking his knowledge, giving it to us so that we can spread the message. And it's really about the exactly what to say message. It's not about me. It's not about Phil. It's about how we can impact the people so that they do come from a place of curiosity, empathy, and courage. Yes. I love it. Love it. Love it. Okie doke. Talk to you later. All right. Take care. I'm back. (laughs) It must be a little weird where I say goodbye and then I say I'm back and you don't know what I've been doing in between. So we've been talking more about that opportunity for people to come to San Diego, to my home studio, place of business and meet Brian and have a day long workshop on all of this good stuff. So, and remember to go to lucydumascoaching.com and click on the classes link and you'll see how you can jump on the opportunity to get 12 recordings that give you the step-by-step path to selling your photographs, basically. So here's a little quick wrap up. He shared with us about his excitement of the book, Exactly What to Say, and that he's a certified teacher of that, which is awesome. I can just see his excitement. Um, And he said, it isn't about the magic words to say, like, if they say this, you say exactly that. It's about building relationships. And the four cornerstones he shared were that the worst time to figure out what you need is when you need to say it. So doing some planning strategies and so forth. Number two is curiosity is the fuel. Number three is remember that people make decisions for their own reasons, not for ours. So phrases like help me understand or tell me more about what that means can help them feel heard and us to understand so we know more what to recommend to them. And number four is to remember that the person asking the questions controls the conversation. And we talked about not assuming the worst in clients, how to be advocates and not adversaries, the importance of empathy. And then he left us with that key phrase that I think would be great to like put up somewhere, tape it. I don't know, have it as your screensaver. Just imagine. And I can just see the power of that. Oh, he forgot to mention that he's got this contest where you go to mitportraits.com slash EWTS and anyone that uh, mentions this podcast will get in a drawing for a hardcover book of the newest edition of the Phil M. Jones book. So. Ta-ta for now, everyone, and stay tuned. Bye. You have been listening to The Highly Profitable Photographer with Lucy Dumas. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share. To connect one-on-one and learn more about our coaching programs, just go to lucydumascoaching.com. Until next time, go have fun photographing and selling your work.